0: Thank you for joining us this week for the neutral zone, the Broncos biweek week edition of the neutral zone. I am Phil Milani and as always, joined by Eric Dalala. We have a show, sort of a abbreviated show this week. A couple of great guests though for you. We'll talk with Jeff Heierman about his big game against the Texans, career high 10 catches and some really big catches in that game. We'll also catch up with Ryan O'Halloran of the Denver Post. Uh, He'll talk a little bit bit of superlatives, talk about some bright spots uh, for this Broncos team through nine weeks of the season. But Eric, it is the bye week. Time to reflect. Where do you feel like this, uh, Broncos team stands after nine weeks? Yeah, and, uh,
1: we'll reflect and then we'll get out of here because you gotta head to the beach. You gotta get the <laughs> exactly. tan on exactly. for the bye week. Exactly. Um, yeah, you know, I think in, in, nine weeks, the team, I think anybody here would tell you it's not where you wanna be. I think, um, the story of the season has been close losses and plays that could have potentially changed the season up to this point. You know, I look back to a few games, uh, Baltimore and LA and both Kansas City games. And then, of course, this Houston Texans game that came down to a last second field goal. I look at some of these plays and I think, you know, like Vance Joseph has said, 15 to 20 plays is the difference right now between being three and six and maybe being six and three and being in a really good position heading into the bye week. And as we've talked about all year, Phil, it just shows how small the margin for error is in the NFL. And right now the Broncos are on the wrong side of it.
0: Yeah, I'll say this. Since the current playoff structure has been set, only four teams have made the playoffs since uh, being three and six. So the Broncos, if they were to make the playoffs, would be only the fifth team to do something like that. And, you know, a few weeks ago on the podcast, we sat here and talked about where this Broncos team was coming off off a hot great game against the arizona cardinals and we said look if they can split against kansas city and houston they'd be in a really good spot at the bye week. and we sort of said hey maybe they need to do that if they want to make the playoffs and two weeks later they lost both of those games so uh if you do the math uh that lets you know where where we stand right now i think
1: yeah they're you don't have any more room to make mistakes now if you're the Broncos, if you want to have a serious chance at making the playoffs. Because even if you go 6-1 and one from this point forward, you're 9-7, and seven, and that's certainly no guarantee of making the playoffs. To guarantee a wild-card spot, you cannot lose again. And while I think that, as we've talked about before, Phil, there's a stretch of games here after you play the Chargers and after you play Pittsburgh that maybe you can rattle off five wins in a row if you really get it going, that's possible – but there's no escaping now that you cannot lose to LA on the road and you cannot lose to Pittsburgh at home.
0: Yeah, and even some of those other games, I mean San Francisco, you see them have a great win against Oakland. You see uh Cleveland, you know, continue to grow with Baker. I mean, the just I feel like that's how it is in the NFL. It's like you gotta make plays when it counts, and it really looked like the Broncos were doing that against the Texans, convert on two big fourth down plays, and I thought that the I thought they were just going to keep that rolling. I'm a little bit surprised that they just shut it down with 40 seconds to go. I know that you had, you sort of agreed with head coach Vance Joseph about there's some risk involved there. But, you know, I would have liked to have seen them continue to attack. I thought that the Texans were a little bit gassed at that point. That was a long drive when the Broncos got down to the 33-yard line. And, uh, you know, and just in my personal opinion – I think that the odds of making a 40-yard field goal versus a 50-yard field goal and then setting there, I think it's just it goes up exponentially the closer you get toward the field goal.
1: Yeah, and I think my reasoning for being okay with the decision is that against Kansas City in Week 8, they had that third and two where they ran the jet sweep with Emmanuel Sanders and they didn't get it. And instead of having a 48, 49-yard field goal, they got a six-yard loss that pushed them back to a 55-yard field goal. And at the time I said, hey – you got to be aware of what can go wrong because at the worst case scenario, you want to be able to kick that field goal and get the points there and go ahead. And so I'm not going to sit here and say, hey, I disagree with the decision to be aware of what could go wrong. Because I think the reasoning was sound in that if Philip Lindsay on that last run is able to move forward for four or five yards, which you would maybe think that if the Texans are thinking, hey, you're gonna you're going to throw a shot down the field, that there should be room to get by and get five or six yards. And then, like you said, it's you have a, a closer chance. And again, that just comes down to can you execute these plays? Because can you execute a longer shot instead of the five-yard check down to Jeff Hyreman on that first down? Can Lindsey make a play and get a few more yards? Can you hold the blocks? And then can Brandon McManus make the kick? And ultimately we can talk about the coaching decisions, but like we've said, these few plays just aren't going the Broncos way.
0: Yeah. And I think that, you know, I don't want to question, uh, you know, VJ too much here because look what he, what his thought process was is sound, you know, like, Hey, that's the line that we've determined where McManus needs to, where we need to get to for McManus. And, uh, they got to that part, so you would think that it's a sound decision. So you don't want to get too much into just like the nitty gritty there, but I do think that the thought process sort of uh, puts a light on where the mentality of the team is at this point. Instead of being hungry and being on the attack and saying, "No, we're gonna go out there and we're gonna go, we're gonna, we're gonna go get 15 yards on this next play," or like you know, them that, that mentality of kill or be killed, the Broncos were definitely more conservative on that approach. And that maybe just sort of speaks to where you are. And I think VJ even said something like that. Hey, if you're winning, maybe, you know, you don't do what he did at the end of the half, you know, like, uh, maybe if you're six, you know, you're on a, you're on a five game winning streak, like the Texans were, you don't make some of these decisions. Well, I think at the end of the game, if you're a team that's really confident, you're going to go out there and continue to attack. And, um I think that that just speaks more to where this Broncos team is right now.
1: Yeah. And I think right now, obviously, that decision is at the forefront of everybody's mind. I think in a few weeks, we're going to look back at a bunch of games and say, hey, yeah. you know, decisions or plays could have changed this season. And hey, maybe the Broncos will come off their bye week and find a way to beat Phillip Rivers and the Chargers and gain some momentum. But like you said, it's going to be tough. And I think the story of this season might be just those that they're close. And it's really hard for fans, and I think for us even, to, and certainly the coaching staff and the players, to be close. Um, but that's where, even though the record is the same as 2017, it feels a little bit different. Way because different. They were not close in 2017.
0: And I think that's something that you've heard uh, John Elway even say is that, look – We've taken the big steps here just in terms of where they were. You think back last year where that game against Philadelphia really sticks out where that just wasn't a competitive game. The Eagles ran out of fireworks in that game. And you just think back to last season, record aside, I think this team has played the best teams in the NFL right down to the wire. And you can see the growth. And so while it might be – frustrating to not just make a huge leap and be like winning all these games but if you think about it you know if you made this kind of leap this year next year maybe i mean i don't want to start thinking about next year because who knows what it's going to be like but you would think that look this is part of the maturation process of a team is to go from really not being competitive to being right there competitive you think the next step would be let's win some of these competitive games
1: right and i think I'm sure we'll talk about this more later, but we've already seen what some of the rookies have been able to do. I would oh, expect yeah. them to only get better. Uh, Von Miller's finding his form. So you need some of these big-name players to to make the plays for you to get things going. Um, you know, I, I think back to last year when we played Cincinnati here at home and it felt the whole game like the Broncos were close and like that would be a win. And, again, there were just some plays where I think that was a game where Brock Osweiler threw – a pick at the one yard line and it got all the way return for a touchdown and just little things went the, I mean, that's a big thing, but several plays just went the wrong way that would have made the difference. And to me, that's what the Houston game felt like. And hopefully this team, you know, is able to maintain the course and continue to be competitive because what you don't want to see at this point in the season, even at three and six is just saying, Hey, it doesn't seem like the playoffs are going to happen, so we're just going to phone it in for the rest of the season. You'd like to see these rookies, these veteran players, continue to build and stay competitive and just see what happens so that even if it doesn't work out this year, next year you're poised for success.
0: Yeah, and I don't I don't think that this team is in a spot to shut it down. I mean, you talk about big – Players making big plays. I thought Case Keenum probably played his best game in a Broncos uniform last week. I mean, he was stepping up in the pocket, even though there was pressure on him. You see, uh, on that fourth down play to Emmanuel Sanders, that was a tremendous play because the route that he runs to go out to back inside, you have to hold the ball for a little bit longer, and he just he did that. Stepped them in the pocket, delivered it. I mean, that's a big time throw. The throw he made to Jeff Hiredman. Uh, you know, this third and third down, you need a touchdown there. And he just de- delivered a strike. So I think you see Case Keenum getting a lot better. And, um, you know, you heard Von Miller at his, uh, f- charity event on Monday night said, you can be two things right now. You, you could be like a wounded deer that just runs off into the woods and dies, or you could be like a bear that was just shot. And a bear that's, that's just shot is angry and it goes on the attack. Now that's a classic Von Miller line. Von is crazy. <laughs> he is. I asked him afterwards. I, I was like, have you seen a lot of bears that have just been <laughs> shot? And he was like, no, man, that's something my coach told me. So, uh, <laughs> I, I agree with him there. I mean, I think there is two ways you can respond to it. And this Broncos team, it, it shows no quit. And, uh, you know, I think that speaks to, uh, vj and the coaching staff is that look they're not quitting on the t te- on the team
1: yeah and i guess we'll we'll see if they respond like that bear one guy who played big like that this week was was jeff Harman, right
0: yeah and uh, let's get to my conversation with jeff Harman. 10 catches for more than 80 yards a career day for him and uh, really was able to show coaches this is why you drafted me uh, out of ohio state All right, We are inside the Broncos' locker room, catching up with tight end Jeff Hireman. Jeff, uh, you had probably the best game of your career against the Texans. Uh, How did it feel to be such a big part of the offense?
2: Uh, yeah, it felt good being, you know, a big part of the offense. Um, stinks we didn't get the win, though. You know, it's kind of the end of the day, that's all that matters. So uh, yeah, that's what we're that's what we're really trying to go for.
0: Did you know heading into the game though that you were going to get ten catches? <laughs> you know?
2: I did not. No, I did not. Uh, I kind of go into, you know, every game, you know, just run run whatever play is called in the huddle, and, uh, you know, sometimes the ball comes your way, and other times it doesn't, but, uh, yeah.
0: Besides getting the win, did it feel good to just sort of have that breakout game and show everybody, hey, this is why you drafted me here?
2: Yeah, you know, it was obviously nice to, you know, get in there and make some, you know, crucial plays at some crucial moments. Um, but, yeah, you know, like you said, it's, it's all about getting the W. Um, so, yeah, that's... Unfortunate that didn't happen.
0: Can you take me through the touchdown play? Seemed like a stick route there, but there was three guys all over you.
2: Yeah, it was. Uh, it was actually the same play that uh, you know I got called back at Arizona, um, and uh, you know Case, you know honestly made a phenomenal throw. Um, you know, I turned around, and you know he threw it right where he needed to throw it, and uh, so yeah, hats off to him on that on that throw. You know that was that was all number four there. So
0: uh, it's a bye week now. Obviously three and six not where you wanted to be, but um, you know any positive takeaways you can take from the first half of the season.
2: Yeah, you know uh, uh, this team will fight. You know we got all, we got fighting us, um, and you've seen that, and you know all these games. Um, you know we fought to the very last the last drive last play um so I think that's you know if you want to hang your hat on something you know it's definitely this team's got fight and got heart and you know guys are guys are playing for each other so
0: does that where does that motivation come from
2: uh you know I think it just it's just it's built up over time you know um you know we OTAs and training camp and you know just kind of being with you know the guy next to you and um, you know fighting and you know blood sweat and tears with the guy and um, so yeah it's it, we got fight. I know
0: you're back here grinding these first couple of days but uh, how do you spend plan to spend the bye week?
2: Uh, I'm fortunate enough to uh, head out to uh, the Montage in Deer Valley. Um, I know a, a good friend of mine has uh, owns a place out there so he's nice enough to let my fiance and I stay so we're gonna go hang out and Put our feet up and relax for for a week. So it's
0: good to get away from football. You ha- you almost have to do it,
2: right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's like our coach just said. Uh, you know, you got you know this bye week. You got to get away. You know, clear your mind. Put get your mind off football. And you know, football will be here when you get back. It's not going anywhere. Uh, so when we show back up, uh, you know, a week from today on Monday, we'll be ready to go and you know attack the rest of the year. So
0: get back after it. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Jeff. Appreciate you coming on the neutral zone. Cool. Thanks. My thanks to Jeff Hiraman for joining us here on the neutral zone. Uh, an interesting conversation with him. They're just so focused on getting the win. That's something that we've seen from a few players here where, hey, you had a great game. There's a lot to talk about with the individual accomplishments, but these guys are so focused on the win. And I thought that was a great performance by Jeff Hireman and really Matt Lacoste to the tight end position overall.
1: Yeah. And, uh, you know, the Broncos found something that they could exploit with that position. I thought, like you said, Jeff Hiraman, particularly impressive. The way he was breaking tackles and making plays when he needed to uh, was big for this Broncos offense. We're going to see in a second here if he was one of the guys that Rhino Halloran of the Denver Post brings up when we talk about some superlatives for this first half of the season. You know, we talked about who's playing well, who needs to play better, and who's the best quote in the locker room. <laughs> Back here on the Neutral Zone this week in the bye week edition, we're talking with Ryan O'Halloran of the Denver Post. We spoke with him earlier in the season, and now he's back to give some mid-season evaluations. Ryan, thanks for joining us again.
3: Hey, glad to be here. I remember, uh, remember our conversation during camp when we were positive.
1: <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, we'll find a, we'll try to find a way to be a little bit positive here, but we also uh, need to figure out what's going on with this team that sits at three and six going into the bye week. I think the best way to do that is to maybe uh, get some superlatives going here, assign some uh, different players to certain categories. My first one for you, Ryan, would be which player has exceeded expectations of yours um, for him going into the season?
3: Well, I, think it's, I think we're going to talk about Philip Lindsay a couple of times during this podcast. Uh, even during camp when they had him doing a little bit of everything, I, you know we, we all realized pretty early who was going to make the 53-man roster but I did not anticipate him having a regular down roll where he could run and get yards between the tackles. I thought he would be a super gadget guy where he could, you know, line up outside, you know, catch a bubble, run a wheel route, do some things on the perimeter in the run game. But he has been um, the total package uh, this year for this offense and um, incredibly so.
1: Yeah, and I think my concern when we when we talked about him in the preseason was would he be big enough to kind of carry the load for an offense and be an every down guy, and I kind of expected expect he might get a little uh, banged up during the course of the season. So far, that hasn't been an issue. Knock on wood. Hopefully, he stays healthy. But I mean, we saw that pass mm-hmm. from Keenum to him uh the last game where he got absolutely blasted, and he he popped right up. That's the type of hit I wasn't expecting him uh, to be able to take in the league.
3: Yeah, and you know coaches coaches have said to me over the years smaller guys take bigger hits he's taken some big hits but so uh you know i think for the broncos over the last seven games if you get Royce Freeman back and you could uh you can really have a a thunder and lightning type uh, backfield
1: and they'll need a new thunder and lightning uh combo now that dt and emmanuel are no longer uh thunder and lightning at the wide receiver position uh next next category who's a guy that needs to step up that uh you thought would play a big role and maybe hasn't met expectations definitely needs to play better for this team to get off this slide
3: well i think bradley roby's got to be a guy he missed the last game with an ankle this team traded a key to leave i mean granted there were there were money considerations and age considerations but you know they cleared the deck for that number two corner spot for roby and before he got hurt he was, most, he was inconsistent or rather consistently unimpressive. I think early in the year, he was a little bit worried about getting beat over the top. And so he played a lot of cushion, gave up a lot of catches. And you thought maybe against Arizona, he had three pass breakups and an interception. Maybe he'd turn that corner. But against Kansas City, um, more of the same. So, you're, you know, as a free agent after the year, you know, I think his value is going down by the week.
1: And he'll, I'm sure, uh, be aiming to turn that around as the season goes, obviously, whether he's here in Denver or somewhere else on the open market. He's going to want to put his best tape out there over the last seven weeks of the season.
3: Who, Ryan? Yeah, and and, and Roby, if you're Vance Joseph, are you okay with the Tremaine Brock, Pac-Man Jones as your number two and three right now? Does Roby sort of have to earn his spot back? You know, I would try some different things with him, too. I would get Chris Harris out of the slot, you know, make sure he has some chances to get thrown at more. i throw Roby in there, and if I'm Bradley, I embrace that because maybe that's what his future team's going to be looking at at to play.
1: Yeah, Adam Jones had that big uh, pass breakup on DeAndre Hopkins there on the Texans' last drive. Also curious from you watching the film, did you see uh, what the Texans were doing to – they had a couple of matchups where DeAndre Hopkins was on Josie Jewell, um, where they were able to get him in space against some linebackers. Is that just the product of the Broncos playing zone in those situations?
3: Yeah, and totally inexcusable. Um, you know, there, there was some pre snap pointing, and okay, who's got who? Well, that's part of the problem. Uh, in that kind of game, with DeAndre Hopkins being clearly the number one receiver on the field, you got to explore getting Chris Harris, make sure that. If DeAndre Hopkins is going to catch a pass, it's going to be against a corner or a safety, not a linebacker. And it happened twice. And, you know, it's not Josie Jules' fault. That's, not, that's a matchup. No linebacker's going to win.
1: Right, yeah. And I think when Chris Harris was on him, I could be incorrect, but I think Hopkins only had one catch with Chris Harris on him. So when Harris was able to shadow him, it, it seemed to work well for the Broncos. But like you said, two key situations where Hopkins got a matchup uh, favorable for Houston and took advantage of it. Mm-hmm. Ryan, wondering who you think is the biggest loss right now to injury. Obviously, we just saw Matt Paradis go out with a fractured fibula and some ligament damage. Is he the biggest loss? Uh, and obviously, we haven't seen them play a full game without him. But who, when you look at the list of guys on injured reserve or that aren't playing right now, what stands out?
3: Yeah, well, before Sunday, I would have said, okay, a Jake butt at tight end. You know, he lasted three games towards ACL. You could you could see him coming along and being a big part of this passing game. but Paradis is is, is, is the correct answer and it's because of all the other injuries they've had up front. You, know, you look at that week one line, Paradis is out. Ron Leary's out with the Achilles. you know Connor McGovern they tried to give his spot away against the Rams uh, to Max Garcia, but now you got Garcia playing left guard, uh, Eli Wilkinson I guess playing right guard. So I mean I think what you're going to see from the Broncos at least initially, is Jeff Hireman, Matt LaCoste, Brian Parker, tight end, get ready to pass protect.
1: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they have to keep more guys in. Um, And you mentioned those three guys on the interior of the line, but Jared Valdeer also missed some significant time, and Garrett Bowles uh, hasn't necessarily thrived when he's been out there, even though he has uh, been fairly healthy for them. Uh, Turning then to the rookie class, I know we talked about Philip Lindsay. Who else has been that most valuable rookie for them is, is it anybody but Lindsey?
3: Um, you know, I would, uh, I'll split it up offense, defense, offense, Lindsey, but Bradley Chubb is starting to come out on, on defense. Uh, you know, he has six and a half sacks plus nine and a half pressures over the last four games. And it's very tough for a rookie pass rusher to get his, what get is, uh, you know, bearings here in this league. but he's starting to do it. Uh, I think he's going to be somebody to watch over the last half of the season. And I think he should be a consideration for defensive rookie of the year, just like Lindsey Woods should be for offensive rookie of the year. So it's, uh, you know, I'm, uh, I credit Joe Woods and his defensive staff. That first game they had Bradley Chubb dropping into zone coverage. He's drew to rush the passer. And I think they they finally have settled on that. You know, I can't remember him dropping in the zone more than once or twice, uh, since that first game.
1: And he had a couple big uh, run stops there against the Texans as well. Some, I think, three tackles for loss. He finished with kind of impressive yeah. all around. Yeah, it,
3: he's such a big guy for like an on the ball outside linebacker. Is that you like him? Uh, definitely in a run game against the tight end, sort of tossing aside, but also strong enough and athletic enough to, to get to get around those tackles.
1: Right, and it seems like if he's able to get his hands on a back uh in the backfield he's not gonna he's not gonna let him get away, which I think we've seen a couple times from the Broncos this season of having their hands on a running back in the backfield and they've been able to slip forward for a few yards. Chubb seems yeah. to have taken that step where he's able to to bring them down. Um wonder how much you think that obviously it's impossible to tell because we can't remove Von Miller from the equation, but how would do you think uh, Bradley Chubb would be having a similar impact if he were the number one pass rusher on a team, or is this a byproduct of teams having to worry about Vaughn on the other side?
3: Well, I, th- I think you know a cop out answer is you probably meet in the middle. Uh, you know Vaughn is not getting double teamed on a regular basis, despite what people might say. Uh, you know he's he's beating his man. He's got some sacks over the last couple games as well. But you're in, in the era of this league. A lot of times on third down four rushers against five, or five rushers against five. It's up to those edge guys to win those one-on-one matchups. The Broncos are starting to do that.
1: It'll be interesting to see uh, Javon Curse's rookie sack record at 14.5. It, we'll, we'll see if he can get there. Chubb's at eight right now. Um, it's going to be close. Obviously, we'd have to average probably about a sack a game the rest of the way. Um, certainly, if, if the record doesn't improve, that'll be something that Broncos fans, I'm sure, will be interested in down the stretch.
3: Yeah, and, and what what Chubb needs is he he needs he needs another three sack game like he had against the Rams that got his season going. And if he can get if he can get maybe a, a stretch of four sacks in two games, then he can feel confident he's going to get to that top figure.
0: Right,
1: and he should should have a a couple chances to get a few sacks in a game. You know, they play the Niners down the stretch here with a pretty inexperienced quarterback. They play the Browns who are starting Baker Mayfield. Playing Cincinnati, which has struggled recently, and then of course Oakland on uh, on Christmas Eve. So there should be chances, even though the next couple weeks with Roethlisberger and Rivers uh, might be tough sledding.
3: Yeah, and, and and what I like about the Broncos um, against Rivers is that he's not stationary, but he's also going to hold on to the ball. And the same with Roethlisberger; he's going to like he's not the scrambling guy he used to be. He is a, a pocket guy who moves who moves sort of backward. That plays into uh, guys like Miller and Chubb, who uh, have a tenacity. Just
1: a couple more here for you before we go to our last superlative. I'm just wondering what you think needs to change here. I know a few weeks ago you wrote an article about teams that kind of turn their seasons around by putting together late season winning streaks. The Broncos uh, would be the fifth team, I believe, to go from three and six to the postseason, and they'd probably need to finish six and one or seven and zero oh to make that happen. It seems unlikely, but if that's going to happen, what needs to change? What are maybe the top couple things?
3: Well, when this team makes a mistake, it's a doozy, and you know that's where I disagree with some of the players who are saying these aren't little mistakes. You know when you when you have a defensive holding to help the team convert a third and eleven, that's a big mistake. When you have to start a last two minute drive with a first and twenty five, that's a big mistake. So, what? If if uh, if I'm Bill Musgrave on offense, it's great that you want to be committed to the run, but you got to be you got to be in the game to do that. You you know as soon as you're down fourteen, you can't stick with it. But I like to, them to get Courtland Sutton more involved, which they started to do uh, against uh, uh, Houston, and you know maybe Hireman can give a little bit of a spark. But it's going to be interesting to see how this rebuild offensive line run blocks because that was probably their strength early in the season. On defense. Um, you know, they get Darian Stewart back. Do you integrate more of Sue Cravens in there? The run defense has stabilized a little bit. Their ranking is never going to be good this year because of that three-game stretch. that was just so terrible. They dug themselves such a statistical hole. It's going to be tough to get back into the top 20. But I think on defense, is can you can you settle on some guys outside of Chris Harris who can actually cover on a regular basis? So I think the concerns on defense are on the back end.
1: And I think... Uh... You may not get to that nine and seven, ten and six level, but I think that if you're able to survive the next couple um, and maybe steal a win against Pittsburgh or LA, I think there is a chance to rattle off some wins. So it might be closer than uh, than people expect. I guess we'll we'll find out. The last one for you here, Ryan. Who's been the best quote in the locker room? I know as a journalist, that's always one of our you know main concerns. <laughs> who's going to give us the the storyline that we want?
3: Well, a couple guys on defense is. You know, I wrote about him on Sunday. Brandon Marshall is incredibly insightful and very honest. D'Amato Pecco, after a game, can sort of lay it out a little bit. You know, you like Derek Wolfe's emotions when he decides to stand by his locker. Uh, on offense, you know, Phil Blinsey's a good good quote. Uh, you know, Garrett Bulls, people, the fans knock him, but he's a stand-up guy. I've had to talk to him after wins and losses, so... There's usually always the one or two guys who each day that are, are, are going to be able to help you out.
1: Yeah, I I'd, uh, I'd tossed my hat in there for Chris Harris. He's uh, yeah. always entertaining when he's on the box every week, so there's always something, that uh, a good storyline that comes out of that.
3: Yeah, and you know, sort of the podium category is, you know, Von Miller understands what the, the job of the media is, so he always gives a little bit of meat on the bone.
1: Yeah, that's true. He uh, he knew what he was doing, especially that week before the Arizona game. Uh, yeah, yeah. Ryan, thanks for looking back at that uh, this first half of the season, and uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens the rest of the way.
3: All right, I appreciate it. Take care now.
1: That was my conversation with Ryan O'Halloran of the Denver Post, sharing some insight on the first nine weeks of the season. Maybe we'll connect with Ryan uh, down the stretch here. But um, I think now, Phil, after hearing superlatives from Ryan, maybe it's it's time for us to share kind of some highs and lows of these first nine weeks.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, my favorite quote on the team is Von Miller. Always keeping it light and goofy, but then sometimes has a very serious tone when he wants to. So... But I do like Chris Harris Jr. I thought that was good because he keeps it real. He does keep keeps it real. It maybe a little too real sometimes. I like it. As, yeah. an,
1: as a media, you like it. And kind of what Ryan said with Vaughn is Vaughn knows what he's doing when he's up there. It, yes. He's not going up there Calculated. just talking. There's always some sort of uh, message he wants to get out there.
0: Yeah, exactly. That leads me right into my uh, best of the first half of the season. We go wow. best and worst. Let's start with the best. I thought that Vaughn saying that they were going to go down to Arizona and take care of business, pretty much guaranteeing a win. And Is then, that what he said? Um, I, th- I
1: think we can say what he said
0: on the neutral zone. What if I don't feel personally? Oh, okay. No, no. Okay. He said they were going to go down and kick their ass. And they did that. <laughs> and they did that. I-, I liked how he followed that up with, I mean, what a tremendous individual effort. The whole team really came, backed it up. But Vaughn himself backed it up himself. I mean, he had – Probably two of the more spectacular plays of the year where he just bowls over the guard, gets back up, and then takes down Josh Rosen. And then one of the other sack where he dipped under. It was almost like he was running full speed under a, a table. So uh, that just shows you what Vaughn could do. That was my best.
1: Yeah, very impressive. Maybe he needs to guarantee wins more often. All the time. Maybe that would I don't help. I don't, I don't. Maybe that would get him going.
0: Well, I think he, he personally brings it all the time. Yeah. And if you guarantee, it's kind of like the, uh, you know, the chicken who cried wolf,
1: Derek Wolf, Derek Wolf. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we don't, you know, you don't know. Like, if Joe Namath had guaranteed every Super Bowl, yeah, it would just, he, yeah, would he, yeah. but would he have won every Super Bowl?
0: It waters it down a little bit. Not if you do it. Yeah.
1: Did he play it in more than one Super Bowl? No, but maybe if like the next year he'd been like, we're gonna win the next one.
0: God, oh, maybe see, it would have happened. You see. know. My worst, I will say, of the first half was. Being in a position to beat Kansas City week four of the season, second and 30, feels like something changed at that point. Uh, You know, uh, we talk about these turning point games. It seemed like something changed for this team because they win that. They're 3-1, and and they're feeling really good. But they just couldn't get that that done. And uh, that that hurt. That game, I think, hurt and had a little bit of a lasting impact. You know, the next week you go and you lose – to the to the Jets and just being in that position second and thirty, you got a chance to knock off one of the hottest teams in the NFL. Just couldn't get that done and that that one hurt.
1: Yeah, several big plays in there, like you mentioned. The second and thirty, you've got that pass from Keenum to Demarius Thomas down the right sideline as time expires and you kinda of oh. hope that you kinda of hope that he's able to make that throw and catch um because maybe that, that changes the season. You know, Kansas City's done that the last Couple years where they've changed the Broncos season in uh, 2016, you know, that you had that week 10 overtime game that kind of changed things. And then on Christmas Eve, with the Broncos needing to win to get into the playoffs, Kansas City kind of made sure that that wasn't even close. So the Broncos have to find a way sooner or later to get past their Kansas City problem.
0: I guess that's what a rivalry is all about is having games like that where, hey, it kind of ticks you off and the next season you remember it.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, They've got quite a few games to remember here, so we'll see what they can do in 2019. But we'll start here with my worst moment, I guess, so we can leave it on a positive note. Okay, I I like that. I think that is the the week five game against the Jets. You know, through the first, I would argue seven weeks of the season, really, maybe even eight. You kind of won the games you were supposed to win, and maybe those games that you weren't supposed to win were close. You know, the Baltimore game was kind of a toss up. The Kansas City one, like you said, you could have won, but the Jets game was one where. You needed to win that game to stay on pace. You should have won that game on paper with the talent you have, and they just went and got outplayed. And it seemed like from that moment on, the Broncos were in a hole that they at least so far haven't been able to climb out of.
0: Yeah, and that gets back to Bradley Roby probably needing to play better. Uh, that was a tough game for him, and that was a long plane ride back after that loss. And yeah, you know that that definitely was a moment where you were like, ooh. Shouldn't have done that, and um, I think that's happened to a lot of teams that have played the Chiefs the following week. They just come out and lay an egg, and um, not to take anything away from the Jets, but yeah, like you said, the Broncos probably should have won that game. Right,
1: and that was a short week after an emotional game against Kansas City, but I think even after that Kansas City game, there was no panic because you lost to a good Baltimore team on the road, and then you lost to Kansas City, who is arguably the best team in the AFC but then that Jets game, that's that's one that's hard to explain, and we talked on the neutral zone way back then about the chance for that game to define the season, and it might have. Um, going to a bit more of a positive note, I think those first two weeks of the season, which seem probably very far away right now, I think we saw what this team is capable of doing when it's able to put things together. You had back-to-back fourth-quarter comebacks. Started two and zero, you know. Demarius Thomas caught the game-winning touchdown pass against Seattle, um, against the Raiders. Tim Patrick has that big uh, catch and run to set up a Brandon McManus field goal for the win, and so I think those happier times here in Broncos country. But I think those showed if you can get things turned around, what is possible down the stretch, maybe.
0: Yeah, those two games to come out of the season, they look like uh, a different team, you know. But uh, now. Some injury concerns, you know, Paradis going down, Leary's down, Jake Butt's down. You know, that's what that's what happens is sometimes you just lose some guys and uh, you're not quite the same.
1: Yeah, and, uh, you know, that was vintage Von Miller uh, week one. We saw what Case Keenum to Jake Butt could do there yep. uh, in that week two game. So, you know, kind of a lot of what-ifs now of if you could have kept that going Not every week, necessarily, because you're going to lose games in the NFL. Everyone has now that the Rams lost to the Saints last week. But you needed to pick up some wins and spots to put yourself in a better position here at the bye week. And we certainly don't know what's coming, Phil, but it's going to take a Herculean effort for them to get back to the postseason for the first time since winning the Super Bowl.
0: Yeah, and, you know, I think that that's a long-term goal. I don't want to use some coach speak here, but, like, let's just sort of focus on – smaller accomplishments to get to that bigger goal. And I think if you just say, look, like, let's just focus on the Chargers, see what happens. And if you can just keep your focus on each week, don't think about the bigger picture, you know, because there's so many people out there saying, oh, well, should they just start tanking now and get a better draft spot? And should they just start doing that and shutting it down and this kind of stock? Look, let's just go out there, try to focus on each week and see what happens because, you know, I do think this team's capable of getting back to eight and eight, maybe uh, being right there in the middle of the pack. And um, I think that draft positioning or whatever, all that aside, knowing that you can win games and getting to eight and eight, that might even be more beneficial. Just knowing, look, we took a considerable jump this year, right?
1: And certainly, it's not impossible to get to nine and seven here or ten and yeah. six. It's just going to take a big effort. And I think you're right that taking it one week at a time will help. Um, But even say you get a win against LA four and six looks a lot better than three and six. And then if you steal a win against Pittsburgh five and six, then you start to believe. And I think it helps that this team that maybe you can play some of those tough opponents where if you get wins, now you say, Hey, we've been close all year. We know we can do this. You get some reinforcements back, we think against the Chargers, Darian Stewart should be back. Royce Freeman should be back. You know, Sua Cravens in his second game after returning from IR. Though this team has suffered some injuries on the offensive line, the rest of the team should be getting healthier, and we'll see if that helps. Maybe Deshaun Hamilton comes back.
0: Yeah. I mean, who knows what's going to happen, but i just like to see them kind of focus on each week and just try to take things a little bit more of a micro approach than just looking at the whole – situations and all this other stuff uh down the stretch that's true
1: and we'll talk about it next week but i know you are among the people phil that thinks philip rivers is among uh broncos fans kind of biggest rival so any <laughs> just getting a win over philip rivers would be a, a big deal
0: yeah you know the longer uh we've seen philip rivers play i think the more you just sort of now at least for me personally i appreciate uh, his competitive and fireiness, and I think he, he keeps the game fun, and he's it's like you're playing backyard football, and um, I really like his approach to the game. Maybe when he first started, and there were some emotional games, you know, where he, he would knock the Broncos out of the playoffs, like on Christmas Eve or something like that. At that point, you're like, ah, oh, I hate this guy. But I think the more you've gotten to know Phillip Rivers – the person, and uh, you got to know, see him play a little bit more. I think he's a really likable guy now, but uh, he keeps the the football spirit, the purity of it. Uh, he he keeps it fun. That's true, and I,
1: you know it will be fun. We'll talk about it more. StubHub, one of the I think yes. most fun places to play in the NFL, just because it's kind of it's a unique atmosphere. It's different than everywhere else. I do
0: miss Sandy. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I think. <laughs> That's a soccer. That's, that's a soccer stadium.
1: It's an outdoor press box. It's very nice. You get the warm breeze. What if it's raining?
0: What if it's it raining? Doesn't rain do? in
1: California? That's, that's ridiculous. True. That's true. But We'll talk about the weather and much more <laughs> next week on the neutral zone. Well, Brett,
0: that's that's kind of a coverage you and analysis you only find here on the neutral zone. Yeah. Yeah. Uh do you have anybody to thank here before we uh say goodbye?
1: I think you know it's always important to thank Liz Manis, you know. Yes. Uh we're yes. getting to that time of year where the community is, you know, more important than ever uh, as we get because to
0: Because the... the community in the summertime not really that important.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right, just during the holiday season. Yep. Um you give
0: blood and turkeys and then that's that's community. Blood turkey presents the the triumvirate. <laughs> uh
1: so, you know, A shout out to I think Ben Swanson deserves one. He was the only person to tweet at us, which doesn't make me uh, feel super great about our listenership.
0: I cried for a couple couple of hours last week. I don't know. Yeah. So, but you know, I think I think that's any supervising people?
1: Huh? Who? Jeff. Uh, Jeff supervises the podcast. Yep. Um. So always a shout out to him. And again, um, if you want a shout out on the neutral zone. From your favorite Broncos Street. TV reporter, Phil Milani. Phil Milani. Just uh, tweet at us and yep. we'll get it done.
0: And, or at Eric Dalala. That's true. And you could also, as always, find the podcast on several places iTunes, TuneIn, and um, what's, the, what's the third one? S- Stitcher. Stitcher. Yeah. Stitcher. And I mean, you. Mo- I, I,
1: I did not listen to the, the Neutral Zone on Stitcher, Stitcher, but I listened to a podcast. Uh, about northwestern football a little shout out to them headed toward the the big 10 championship um but yeah listened on that irrelevant it didn't really uh i listened to that on stitcher and it it was a whole new listening experience i might i might test it out one more time what was the quality like it was great you know it's no itunes but that's it's pretty pretty high up there i will say i'm gonna offer a new prize to anyone else who tweets at us if you tweet at us and say hey I listened to the neutral zone this week. I, I liked your superlatives, or I thought the conversation with Jeff Hyerman was great. Ben Swanson will draw you. Ben Swanson will do. I don't know if you saw that Halloween drawing. Like a
0: Titanic or what? <laughs>
1: exactly. I don't know if you saw that, that, uh, that Broncos drawing on Halloween. That was a Ben Swanson, a cardboard yeah, Gerald original. An original. He will, if you send a photo, he'll draw you and maybe we'll find a way to feature it on his Instagram or something.
0: Hopefully not quite like Titanic. No, not. More clothes. <laughs> More clothes is better. Yeah, yeah, but that's nice that you offered up his services. Yeah, I think he, I think he would want to do that. Yeah, for sure. So, for the for Broncos country. Yeah, he is. I think his title is drawer. Drawer. Uh, lead
1: lead drawer. Lead drawer of Denver Broncos.com. Yeah, exactly. So well.
0: he's actually uh, drawing some really cool stuff for a nice little story. I don't want to give too, too much away, but we're, something coming up on DenverBroncos.com Broncos the interaction between Terrell Davis and Philip Lindsay how the story came to be and how he got number 30 cardboard gerald uh, doing some nice sketches for that
1: yeah a lot of good content coming up you know we're going to have some things to watch for over the second half of the season some best plays on offense and defense i believe you know we always got uh, john elway talking to, to us on elway access so you know a lot of good yeah. stuff to look to just cuz it's the bye week doesn't
0: mean we're not grinding the website um is forever and always. That's true. It doesn't stop. That's true. The machine
1: doesn't stop. No, and we take shifts so that there's always someone working. Like exactly the, the two thirty a.m. to six thirty a.m. shift. That's Zach intern <laughs> Zach fearless. Yeah, he's he's awake exactly. anyway. Yeah, so. exactly, exactly. He's just so. he's grinding. So, uh, I think Phil, next week we'll have fans back on yes, the neutral zone back will. to your regularly scheduled programming. We will. Um, but for now, we hope everybody enjoys the bye week. Maybe spend some extra time with your family since you don't have to relax. watch Broncos football on up the upset. weekend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The pulse doesn't have to go up. <laughs> exactly. So, exactly. uh, I agree. Yeah. I
0: agree. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us then. For Eric Dalala at Eric Dalala, I am Phil Milani. Thank you for tuning in this week for the
1: neutral zone.